Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So this is technically a winter meetings preview edition of the Rashcast. And if you didn't know that, you're not alone. I, uh, Johnny and I were talking right before we started recording about when the winter meetings were. Uh, we were uncertain. I looked I, it up. I was not uncertain. I knew it was tomorrow. Oh, Mr. Baseball over here knows everything about baseball. You're just making, us, making assumptions about me that aren't true, so I just want to clarify. Fair enough. I did not know that the winter meetings were tomorrow. Apparently, the winter meetings are tomorrow. Yes. Which uh, they snuck virtual. up on. Virtual winter meetings. The virtual winter meetings. They were supposed to be held in Dallas uh, this week. They are obviously not being held in person because I can't think of a single worse event to hold. I want super spreaders on the winter meetings. That would, I, I don't think that there is a worse event to hold during a pandemic than the winter meetings. Lots of handshaking. Lots of handshaking, lots of people in the same room, lots of drink having. Yeah, I think it's probably Lots of good. shouting, lots of fighting oh, in the parking shouting. lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's outside. Mm-hmm. That was cool, though. That was a fun time. Uh, yeah, it's it's really sad for many reasons that we're not getting a real winter meetings. I don't know that given the uncertainty in baseball revenue-wise right now, it would be a very exciting winter meetings, even if it was being held in person. Uh, but it's not. And frankly, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, the, not expecting much. I think that's probably right. I mean, yeah. there's been little to no action on the off-season front for baseball, uh, which is it's just it's just boring. Uh, beyond anything else, uh, we had the non-tender deadline last week, and it wasn't apocalyptic. I you know. Most of the players that were good in baseball, that were arbitration eligible, stayed on their teams and will receive arbitration. Like there was a, a worst case scenario where Chris Bryant got DFA'd or non-tendered actually. Uh, and that didn't happen. But there were some good players, uh, Eddie Rosario, uh, Kyle Schwarber, and Adam Duvall, all outfielders. Corner uh, outfielders. All corner outfielders, uh, which is very interesting from a Nats perfective, all of them got DFA'd. And there were even more players who took, who opted out of arbitration by agreeing to terms uh, at deals that weren't shockingly below market rate, but they were definitely, you know, they were, they were closer towards, if the, if the teams had done file and trial, they would have been closer towards where the teams would have filed than where the players would have. Uh, and frankly, I can't blame the players. No, I think, I mean, if you can get money, you get your money, especially right now, you know, where, you know, if your options are getting cut and taking a little, little bit lower money, I mean, that's really shitty, but I don't think that was the options for any of these players who did get cut. I think, you know, yeah, get your money while you can. It might be a little bit less than what you can get, but, you know, you don't know. It's a very tough situation for everyone right now. 
I mean, that's just, you know, no one really knows what. These are uncertain times. We are in uncertain times, but not just that with baseball too. I mean, we don't even know if there's going to be a DH in the National League yet. Everyone's operating that. I think that's what led to a lot of these DFAs where, I mean, like Schwarber and, and especially Duvall. I think if there's an ounce of DH, Duvall doesn't get cut. Do you think that there will be a DH? I, I know that a lot of teams, a lot of NL teams, are operating under the assumption that there won't be one. And obviously, a lot of that is, well, A, it's ass covering, but B, it's not spending money on a designated hitter until you absolutely have to. Yeah. But at the same time, there's no one in the National League who's even trying to aggressively jump the market. Braves um, a little bit. Well, the Braves just cut Duvall. Well, they also signed Morton and they signed um, Smiley. Oh, I, uh, I mean from the perspective of a, of oh, a designated hitter. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's going to be, there's going to be so many players that are just going to wait till February until they make a decision because they're not making a decision anytime soon. I don't think, I think Manfred's holding out so he can get something from the players or something. I don't know. He's a awful negotiator. Well, I mean, yeah, it's this kind of uncertainty on top of everything else is going to depress salaries or at least is going to slow down the market because there's so many outstanding questions right now. Like we don't know if the three batter minimum is going to stay untweaked. We don't know what's going to happen with the uh, the extra innings rule. But most importantly, we don't know what size the playoffs are going to be, and we don't know if there's going to be a designated hitter. And it's just – it's really frustrating. As someone who, you know, would rather those things not happen, uh, I mean, I guess it's better than the alternative. But more so, I would just like to know what set of rules baseball will be playing under come 2021. Uh, I mean, maybe, and this is being very charitable to Rob Manfred and to the owners, uh, maybe they're trying to delay making a decision on some of the other things because they don't know how much slack they're going to have to build into the schedule because they don't know, you know, what the COVID situation is going to look like in April. I think that's probably a lot of it. I think that's probably definitely some of it. I think, especially, but the DH rule, if you're feeling that way, I just say push ahead and, and announce you're going to have a DH next year. If you're feeling that uncertain, just so that people can have a decision being made and just say like, listen, we don't know. Cause I think the DH rule was good for this year. Um, but yeah, the rest of the stuff is just them waiting to see what the situation is going to look like. Cause remember they didn't make the decision about the playoffs until the day of the season starting. Yeah, and that was a disaster. It was. Um, they, didn't, they didn't make a decision about the seven-inning doubleheader rule until the first week of the season, mm-hmm. which is just insane. There were two doubleheaders played this year that were nine-inning doubleheaders. Uh, and obviously, I, in a normal season, there's no way that a seven-inning doubleheader rule is going to carry forward. No. Uh, even the, the owners don't want it. Um, but – if you're a sports was, writer, then you love it because you get your deadline. Right. Uh, but the the fact is that it saved the season last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's no way that they get that, that through that season playing as many nine-inning doubleheaders as they would have had to play. I mean, seven innings as opposed to nine is huge because the number one people who get overworked 
during double headers out of the bullpen. And if you can yeah. shave two innings off the bullpen, that I mean, that enables double headers. And the difference between fourteen and eighteen innings is also very large, especially again for bullpen innings, because those last two, those, those four innings are usually bullpen innings. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's just, look, I mean, it's clear that Manfred views the DH as a concession to the players, which I think misunderstands how teams are planning on using the DH. But at the same time, there are a lot of teams that are justifying their cutting of players who are good bat, not great fielding, you know, Rosario and, uh, and Duvall. Well, less so Rosario, but especially Duvall. Uh, they're cutting. They're justifying cutting them around the uncertainty around the DH, uh, and and Schwarber as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, anyway, speak, speaking of the Cubs, yes, and cutting salary, right? Um, we have. I mean, the Nats have been targeted around Chris Bryant pretty much all off season. We've heard some reports saying they're in on Bryant. Some saying they're out on Bryant. Um. So far, the two names that we've really heard the Nats specifically linked to are DJ LeMahieu and Chris Bryant, and now they've both been shot down by other reports. But what what do you think so far of what you know? We're a month into the off season. I mean, nothing really has happened, but you know, we've heard a few rumors of things. What do you, what do you make of everything that's kind of happened so far? I would say, in terms of the Nats, I would be shocked if they were players in the top of the market. A, because I just, I get the sense that the learners are not planning on, and they've already, the payroll this year is already at 150 million. uh, And that's without anything really able to move. But, or, you know, at least realistically, they're not going to trade Max Scherzer. I don't think anyone is even discussing that as an option. Um, I just, I don't see them given the scale of losses last year, expanding salary. I don't see them. I don't see the learners investing money into this team at this juncture. So where do you see top of the market ending at? You know, I really don't know. Things have not been as dire as I thought they would be. Uh, just in terms of who gets cut. But at the same time, it's December. We've heard almost nothing in terms of rumors for the top of the market for really anyone other than, you know, some relievers in the middle and then Charlie Morton. Uh, We heard today that the Phillies may or may not be considering a fire sale, which I mean with them, they had a two-year window where they went for it. It didn't work out. Really, really backfired. Uh, they clearly have no interest in expanding payroll to the point of signing JT Realmuto. So without Realmuto, I mean, they've got all these big contracts. They're not – they weren't good enough with Realmuto to contend. I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're stuck – they somehow put themselves back in the situation they were in in 2013, except without the championships. Right. Well, I mean, 
the players they have under big contracts are all still good. Yeah. And that's a like big difference. Yeah. Right. They have, you know, Harper, who was very good this year. They have Zach Wheeler, who was also very good this year. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to do. But if they're not going to spend, then, I mean, they're, they're just... And your nap at catcher. Right. If they don't spend, they're not going to compete with the Braves. And they're not going to compete with the Mets if the Mets do spend. Now, the Nats have a lot of high-end talent, especially if Strasburg is healthy this year, and especially if Scherzer is healthy this year. Uh, Scherzer battled through a couple injuries last or 2020. Uh, it's really impossible to judge him. He has seasons where he starts off kind of rough and then rounds into form. If you ask him, he'll say that was what was happening last year. Uh, velocity looked fine. Who knows? Yeah. But the Nats have a lot of high-end talent, but they also have a ton of holes. I mean, uh, it seems like it's always been the case with this team, is that since there's a lot of stars and scrubs teams, you know, it, the way it worked out in 2019 was that the scrubs turned into, you know, good to great players. But it's always been the case where you have, you know, a handful of really great guys on this team, and then a lot of, you know, Danny Espinosas and like, like guys who fill in the blanks and aren't great, but they're there to fill bodies. Well, so in 2020, they tried a different approach. They signed a bunch of middling people who they thought could collectively be adequate at multiple positions. Didn't really pan out that way. Although, again, it's 60 games. Hard to say. Um, and you lost 60, your, kind of your biggest one of those guys like a month in who was putting together kind of a pretty good year. Right. I mean, Castro, Kendrick regressed. Eric Thames was really not great, which is such a shame. Uh, yeah. Uh, Key Boom was atrocious. So it didn't work out. Uh, but again, it was 60 games played under the weirdest of circumstances. Yeah. Um, although, how much stock do you put in to Key Boom's season in terms of evaluating whether or not the Nats should add a third baseman? I think, I mean, Key Boom was already on thin ice entering this season in terms of kind of his, like, he wasn't the opening day third baseman. He wasn't, like, you know, highly regarded in the organization. It seemed like his stock had dropped in the organization already coming into this year. Just whenever he's looked at the came up in the major leagues, he's, been, he's just had one major flaw every time that's just completely sunk him. Well, and he actually, it was interesting because he had different flaws in yeah. the 33 games he played this time than the 11 games he played in 2019. I mean, it's still only 44 games, and that's not that big of a sample size. And he's still – he's going to be 23 this year. He's already 23, just turned 23. But my thing is you're – I don't think Kiboom is part of – is going to be a major player and a part of a winning team. He could be a useful player, but third base is a position that you can definitely add on this offseason you know, in terms of Bryant or – you know, even if you want to go after Justin Turner, which I doubt they do. Um, Tommy Lestella is a guy you could put up third. He'd be better than Key Boom. Um, I mean, with, not, this, not... with this market, you can add at any position for the right price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can add a first baseman, Carlos Santana, who is obviously 
flawed. Uh, but at second base, you can add DJ LeMahieu. At third, you can add Bryant. You can add uh, Turner. And these in, at, in the outfield, in the corner outfield, you could add Springer. You could add uh, Brantley, Ozuna, yeah. Brantley. The Nats can fill every single one of the holes they have on this roster with high-end talent if they want to. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, even the catcher, obviously, you've got Real Muto, and the Nets. We don't talk about it a lot because they do still have Jan Gomes, but they kind of need a catcher. You know who I think they're going to sign a catcher? Who's that? The Buffalo. You know, I would be a big fan of that. I think but... it'd be a good fit. You don't have to play him. You know, you have to play him 80, 90 games a year, right. if that. Gomes is still. You know, Gomes was not bad this year. Um, especially so you don't need to rely on Wilson Ramos. And I think having him as a power bat off the, you know, a power hitting catcher, I think it'd be a good, uh, good fit. He knows most of the pitching staff. Yeah. He knows three fifths of the pitching staff. Yeah. He knows Scherzer. He knows Strasburg. Uh, He knows Joe Ross. I don't know. I think Gomes would have to keep catching Corbin because Mm -hmm. Ramos is not a bad defensive catcher. Don't listen to Noah Syndergaard, but he does have problems catching the low ball, uh, which is a problem for a guy like Corbin, and it was also a problem for Noah Syndergaard, who is a sinker pitcher, which is still insane that he's a 99-year, mile-an-hour sinker baller. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I – so getting back to the, the key boom question, third base, you're right, has you know, just as much high-end talent as outfield does. And it can all be had with basically just cash, including Bryant. The Cubs are in a very bad bargaining position. They are not going to be asking for players. They're going to be asking for salary relief. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, I just – I don't see – the Nats adding any high-end talent. I don't see them competing on any of the big names. I see Ozuna is probably the biggest name we'll be closely linked to. I I don't know. At I think this they point. have. A, I think they had a plan to go in and get a like a not a high-end, but just from the way there 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 has to be a reason that they shifted Soto to from left to right and then said and then Davey said in the comments that he said. This is what I'm taking a lot of this off of. He wouldn't be dry, like they have to be targeting someone, someone who can't play right field, which is why I think Ozuna or Brantley or Brantley. I don't know. I mean, the that's the the most interesting thing about this offseason is the Nats don't seem to have come into it with a publicly discernible plan. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I mean, and yes, these are irregular circumstances, but we have no idea what the Nats are planning to do, you know, who they're planning to go after. They've been, it's not just that they have been, you know, completely quiet. Uh, we just, we haven't heard anything and no one seems to know what the Nats are planning on doing. Uh, I'm sure that Mike Rizzo at this point, has probably gotten a better answer in terms of what budget he's going to have to work with. Um, now, the truth is that the Nats probably can 
do an adequate job filling the holes on their roster with, uh, with limited funds. Between Rosario and Duvall and uh, yeah. Schwarber. I mean, if you're Rosario is a good fit for the, he's a good outfielder. I, I, I like him. Um, he's got good pop. I think it'd be, he's not a lefty. So, I mean, but he's, he's not a bad five hole hitter. Um, but uh, he can certainly deepen your lineup a little bit too. He, what did he do last year? I think it was like a 270 hitter or his last yeah. full season. 110 OPS plus over the last, I mean, he's a 109 career OPS, OPS plus. He's a above average power, below average uh, in terms of plate discipline. He's he's the same guy every year. Yeah, it's the Nats. If they want to compete with the Braves and whatever team makes big moves, if it's the Mets, they might. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you can really tell from their Trevor May acquisition. But if the if the Nats want to build a functional team, they're going to have to go after some high end talent. Yeah. Or if they want to build a good team, they're going to have to go after high end talent. If they want to build a functional team. There are pieces out there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be a shame. I mean, this is this is the last year with Max Scherzer on the team. This is. You know, you never know how many more healthy seasons in Strasburg you're going to get. You've got still, you know, $100 million sunk into the pitching staff. I just, I know that there were losses last year, but it would be foolish to me not to spend, I mean, to, to be penny wise and pound foolish here and not invest additional money into this team if you're interested in winning. Yeah. But obviously the question is, are they really interested in winning in a season where they may not see returns on winning? Because we don't know if they're going to be able to have fans in the stands. So, and, and at what capacity? It's, it's an uncertain environment, and I appreciate that, and I understand that that's a big reason why the offseason has been so slow but I would still like to see some semblance of a plan, some idea of what the Nats are doing. And listen, in the NBA, this offseason has been completely normal from a perspective of player movement, from a perspective of, of player signing. Why is it that the NBA is capable of proceeding as normal while the MLB is just, completely not i think it's because of rob manfred and the way he's kind of controlled the league over the last couple of years is a us versus them mentality in terms of owners versus players and someone has to get the bag why should it be them not us well i keep telling you that that's not manfred manfred wants the owners to win but he doesn't rob manfred negotiated the 2016 cba it was a clear win for ownership but it was a clear win for ownership contingent on ownership continuing to behave in good faith. If ownership continues to give out the free agent contracts and makes its money back at the margins with uh, 
smaller draft bonuses, capped international free agent signings, then everyone's ha- or the, the players grumble a little bit, but not very much. The players who control the union are happy and the owners make their money and everyone wins. But the owners are not satisfied with winning. The owners have sort of uh, determined that any amount of money that they don't want to pay, they shouldn't have to. And that is going to be a huge problem in this offseason. And again, I, we haven't seen any sign yet that the owners are going to go completely uh, austere here. But it should be said that we're going to need to see signs of good faith. Yes, the owners did lose a ton of revenue. There's no denying that. I mean, it, it was a global pandemic, one that you know they couldn't have planned for. Yes, they're loaded up on debt under the assumption that that revenue in baseball will always go up, but you can't plan for a pandemic. At the same time, you need to show that you're in this for the long term and that you believe in this business. Uh, you know, I'm well past pretending that owners care about baseball as a sport, but you need to show that you believe in this business enough to believe that once the pandemic is over, revenues will continue to go up and that you don't want to endanger those revenues in the future by having a strike. And what that takes is a commitment to making this offseason as normal as possible under you know, certain parameters. And I don't know, it's, it's too early to say it won't happen, but I haven't seen any signs that are so promising to suggest that it will. Yeah. I think we're just in limbo right now, and that's it. Yeah, again, some, something to blink. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping it's I'm hoping something happens at the winter meetings. I doubt it because it's virtual, and I mean we did see a very exciting winter meetings in 2019. We did. These are very different times. These are uncertain yeah. times. Yes, they are. And in these uncertain times, the one thing you can be certain in. Is, is an occasional rash cast coming out every so often. Yes, the uncertain rash cast. The uncertain cast. Yes. Um, you got anything else to talk about? No. Uh, yeah. Nothing else. I think we're, we're all good in terms of baseball. I had stuff to talk about, so I figured we should probably do one of these. Yeah. But, yeah. The only thing we had to talk about was the uncertainty. Yeah. And I think so, we covered that. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity by next week. Clarity could be that it's going to be a slow off. It's going to be just this right. more or, you know, whatever. So we'll see what happens. I bet you a couple guys sign this week, maybe like a Carlos Santana type or something. I don't know. Someone who, some of these smaller free agents. Smaller free agents like yeah. Cesar Hernandez. He's like five, eight, not very yeah. tall. No, he could also sign. That's a pretty good guess. Yeah. So Cesar Hernandez is going to sign this week. You heard it here first. A Rashcast exclusive. All right. That's all that is for us. We will see you guys whenever we feel like it. Yep, what he said. All right.